Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? What kind of tape? A tape. A regular tape. People run it, I don't know. You start to play it, and it's like somebody's night. And suddenly, this woman comes on, smiling at you, right? Seeing you through the screen. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. Someone knows you've watched it. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. Oh, welcome back, everybody, to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast show. Uh, it's in. It's just officially in now, in the intro. I'm one of your co-hosts with the most, Ron Avis. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I got a little bit of scratch in my throat today. So I'm just going to power through this bad boy because it's spooktacular. Volume 3, Episode 4. We're talking about The Ring from 2002. A little movie about a girl who discovers a magical well. And she wishes for her mom and dad to get back together again. And the, and the well cast out a magical ring. And wait a minute. I think I'm wrong. I better bring in my co-host um, from the north. He needs to get this straightened out, okay? Please welcome Adam Peterson. Seven days. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <laughs> I had a little something in my throat, uh, too. Seven days. Lozenge. Lozenge. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I had a little bit of fun there with the... Uh, uh, <laughs> The, the intro. I like of the, the movie. I, I'm really. It's it's one of my favorite parts thus far because it is a total surprise for me. Is the intro to each of these? I really am enjoying that. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, ooh, what kind of um, what kind of song can I use? Like, what kind of song choice can I pick? And I start thinking about rings, and right away I landed on um, Johnny Cash. Ring of Fire. Yeah, good like, one. Oh, that'll be a fun little, that'll be a fun song good to come song. in on, really. But I thought, no, wait, people would see that coming. That's too easy. That's true. I'm going to go with Terrence Trent Darby's Wishing Well. <laughs> that's, see, that, that's, we subverted the expectations, and that's, that's the best part. You know, when I was a kid, we used the Terrence Trent Darby Wishing Well song as a test to see how lame you were. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you were with a group of, you know, same-aged boys or girls, and you just go, wish me love, oh, wishing well. And if they, somebody, if they just go, kiss and tell, you know? <laughs> like, oh, you don't want to finish that line. You don't, oh, don't you want to finish that line. Them. But the sad truth is, that song's a banger, and I like it. It's a fantastic song. I secretly enjoyed that song. Uh, I'm okay to come out with that right at this moment on the podcast. I'll be 100% mm. honest. It's my ringtone. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so this is The Ring, and uh, you you are the ch- you picked this uh, movie. I did. And since it is your pick, I'm going to hand the keys to the podcast mobile over to you and let you kind of go through, take this ride whichever way you want to go. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try and pop in when I can. I'm gonna make it count though, because my voice is a little scratchy, as you can tell. Yeah. 
That's... Um, but yeah, over to you, sir. Let's talk about this movie. <clears throat> All right, The Ring. Um, well, uh, the the best and easiest way to always kick things off is with our our fun little housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ring uh, was released October eighteenth, two thousand two, so twenty years ago. It's a twenty year old movie now, which always weirds me out. I'm like, oh yeah, a movie I saw mm-hmm. when I was in out of high school is over is over 20 years old yeah that's fun makes you feel young um it had a budget you guys seen heat (laughs) heat like six years ago yeah now i don't want to talk about it (laughs) it had uh the ring had a uh a budget of approximately 48 million dollars which uh Definitely trounces the original 1998 Japanese film with 1.2 million, um, and you definitely you, um, definitely get that production budget uh, difference in the two films. I can I can assure you. Oh, that. oh my God, for sure. Yeah, the movie looks great, and uh, the director. I don't know if you've ever seen any sort of um, interviews with him, but he's a real soft spoken, artsy kind of dude. Yeah. Um, and I'm not at all familiar with any of his other works, but. Just watching some things on the ring, I got, I got the feeling that they really wanted to make this movie look nice. Yeah, um, it has a beautiful look. It's filmed, isn't it? All filmed in Seattle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, right. So uh, that couldn't have been cheap. I wouldn't. No. Think. Yeah. That's a real location. Usually, movies when they want to save on a budget will go shoot in Atlanta and say they're in Virginia, or you know whatever. Just kind of make the, or make it. Or what is the, what's the another popular one? Like Toronto will be doubled as New York. A yeah, lot of time. T- Toronto's big, and then um, you know Vancouver, a lot of stuff. And that's that's kind of the you know the ironic part of it is you've got Vancouver. I mean, like if you're filming in Seattle, Vancouver's right there, and it's way less expensive, and you get the same aesthetic. But they filmed it in Seattle. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I was surprised, even knowing that the budget is higher than I would have thought. Yeah. Um, don't you think? I mean, that's who are they, who are they 50 million to? especially because they intentionally like when you watch it now, you know, there's there's recon, far more recognizable faces. Not a lot of them, but people that you're like, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I recognize faces in this." But at the time, they weren't. I mean, these weren't big name actors. So, Mm-mm. you know, a 50 million dollars for a horror movie yeah, because this this is the one that really kind of kicked off that whole um, uh, remake of uh, we found a Japanese movie we like we're gonna make it in America, and you know this this one really it paved the way for the Grudge and uh, Darkwater, which I think out of those mm-hmm. this one was the best. Yeah, I agree. Um. um. Yeah, the whole Japanese horror craze where, you, like you said, you just find a movie that was already released in Japan and um, bring, bring it over here. And, you know, the, there, there were just minor changes because the, 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 the effects of the monster really never changed a whole lot. They still used the same-looking little boy in the grudge, and I feel like Samara looks pretty much the same, and... Um, so that's interesting that they, they didn't completely Americanize, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. 
everything. They just brought it over like almost like a one for one copy. The yeah. And, uh, uh, in uh, you've you've actually seen June on. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I watched I watched uh, the the original ring and the. I think I made it almost all the way to the end because uh, of the second one, um, and I was fading because it was. I mean, there's just there's some definitive differences in the in the filmmaking. I mean, like there's this this movie, and I think even without necessarily the production budget, I think one of the the cultural differences I would definitely say is that the American version spends puts way more effort and attention into building and maintaining um a real sense of dread and Mm -hmm. the i mean like the uh the japanese version like there's i mean we spend not an inordinate amount of time but like there's a whole scene where they're just at the library and not like oh hey this here's a you know 30 minute cutaway scene so we could like they're there like reading old newspapers (laughs) <laughs> yeah and so it's when i was like okay the pacing on this is like this is like i'm trying to stay focused and not just be on my phone but i'm like oh like, i mean there's there's not i mean there's not a lot of background music it's it's really you're just kind of sitting there watching two japanese people flip through old newspapers you're like this is not interesting or scary or yeah, anything didn't you <clears throat> i feel i think you called it like or you you said it kind of resembled a student film yeah um, or a short, which I think, as you pointed out, to, you know, a lot of times the shorts do get adapted into a movie. Yeah, and it's it happens. It's a it's a good. I mean, you know, because I know with uh, uh, the Ring Two, there was a, a short that they did that kind of it, it didn't encapsulate the entire film, but it really kind of it set the stage for it and was a lot of the opening of the ring too is based on the short that they did for it. So this, the, the, the Japanese one, um, a lot, I mean the story elements and even some, I mean, some of the scenes are not, you know, it's not like a, a perfect one-to-one, but it's like, you know, the, the, the story elements that you're following along the way are I- identical. It's just, it's interesting how they're handled in the Japanese version and the American, like the, the little boy, um, very i mean very different uh applications as far as how it it relates to the story like and even just the characters i mean they're all they're they overlay it's like okay it's a single mom and the estranged you know dad and little boy so it's you have all the same characters they just interact in very different ways and the american version Mm -hmm. um it's it's when i was like I, the I think when we were we were talking offline about it, it's like the original definitely gives it gives you the skeleton you need for the story, but I think the American version really just puts the meat on it and makes it okay. This is enjoyable. This is something I can get into and you know really enjoy. I mean, I was as I was watching it the, um, or rewatching it for this, I was thinking to myself because I remember James Wan when he was doing his Insidious uh, movies his drive for that is he wanted to make a really good PG 13, uh, horror movie, something that was really mm-hmm. scary. And I, I think in the first insidious, he really accomplished that, but it was like yeah. going back to the okay. ring, which predates that. I'm like the ring being a PG 13 horror movie is 
legitimate i mean like it's not like edge of your seat like oh my gosh i'm, I'm but it's like it is scary i mean it really does accomplish that there's tension there's there's fear and it's not it's, just jump it, scares it really does simmer you know the the tension yeah just wraps around and just gets tighter and tighter and you there there's just this feeling of dread yeah because you don't know the rules of the franchise so you don't know or like are you safe during the day or you know is does does bad things only happen at night or does bad things only happen after you know post coitus you know kind of stuff exactly there really weren't a lot of rules so you do feel that dread did you notice too all the like dutch angles there were yeah with this movie it it uses it a lot yeah Anytime anyone's like moving around and it, it was very disorienting. And I feel like that has to be the why I think you wouldn't even notice it really. If, if you were just taking it in the first one or like first couple times, but if, you know, if you're watching a movie critically, like I happen to be doing, I was just like, wow, another Dutch angle. Wow. Another Dutch angle. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Really pulling out some stops here. Well, and, and, I, I I like that the point because in when in going back to it, <clears throat> one of the one of those little elements that I picked up um, early on in it is you know because I, I think anybody who's seen it or really even if you're I mean just kind of generally aware of it if it's one of those like oh yeah I remember that movie but I never saw it, um, I think in general you have this idea that okay the you know the the girl's going to come out of the TV and get people. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's mainly the case, but really like when in the, the opening, when, um, they're first kind of bringing up the story and, you know, you have the, um, the girl that dies initially at, at the very beginning, but, uh, you know, you, the story progresses, you, you find out, okay, she watched, she watched the tape, but she watched it with three of her friends and the other three kids also the coincidence that starts driving, um, the investigation, is the other three kids also died at the exact same time, but they weren't in situations where it was like, okay, they were at home watching TV. It's like two of the kids were in a car accident and I forget what happened to the other kid, but it's like, it really is. It's not like, okay, she's going to get you through a TV. It's, mm-hmm. you know, that that's kind of what they, they put forward as the narrative. That's how she, you know, this tape, they connected to the tape. And so that's kind of the quote unquote lore of it, but it, there really is no, it, it isn't okay. You're, if you're not around a TV, you're going to be safe. If I'm just in the woods or if I was in a room with no TV screens, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be fine. It's like, no, yeah, she could still get you no matter what. Yeah. She's, she's very much like Freddy Krueger yeah. in that way. That's sort of her power. She can just enter your, um, like consciousness or something. Yeah. She, she's there, but she's not really there. Kind of like a Freddy Krueger rule. Um, the imagery of the girl that we see in the opening in the closet, just all tormented. Oh and, yeah. Uh, oh, it's when I saw that the first time I was, uh, just one of those shivers down your spine yeah. sort of things. Cause they, they play. It's very good. I, I enjoy the slow, steady ascent and then levels off and the thing you, things are eerie, but, something bad hasn't happened and then they just flash a f- just a handful of frames of what the police found or whatever uh, where where she how she was found in the closet 
and it it's a jump scare. Oh yeah, but it's an earned jump yes, scare. You know, like definitely. jump scare. I I talk about jump scares as if I don't like them at all. I do like them if they're used the right way. There's just some of the greatest scares in in cinema. Really, are kind of just jump scares. Just just you were manipulated perfectly. Yeah, and this this movie's very good at manipulating you and then hitting you with these kind of gruesome images and even even images that aren't necessarily gruesome just unnerving like the videotape itself yeah it's like a trent reznor video or something it's really weird and i don't know how else to describe it other than that it's like existential crisis on tape (laughs) Uh, but all, all these disparate images actually mean things yeah as the story unfolds anyway anyway you go on uh well yeah um uh let's see here uh so we had a budget budget 48 million dollars opening weekend made 15 million dollars not not bad for pretty respectable relatively total domestic Uh, made 129 million oh wow that's yeah okay i remember reading about that where the film uh had a pretty ho-hum uh opening week yeah but I think the studio had more confidence in the movie. They started pushing it to more screens. And yes. on the second weekend, yep. I think it actually out-earned the first weekend. And that's why the gross became so impressive. So it, one, one of the things that was really, because they did this with the first one. I, I think they did it with the, with the Ring 2 as well. But one of the things they did it with Paranormal Activity as well. Like they, they just kind of put it out there in a few screens and then, the word of mouth was so good and they felt confident enough to, and the marketing for movies, like I miss the marketing of horror movies like they used to do in this yeah. era, uh, using the web as sort of, cause you know, even in, even in early two thousands, the web's really only been mainstream popular for five or six years, yeah, which is really new still. And, it seems like right around that time, they just found a good, like, what do you use the internet for? It's just chat rooms. And then they started uh, using it for these, like, fake or faux informational pages. And a lot of my favorite horror movies are have this sort of utility, you know? Like, this, this they, they just work in this tool that's never been used before no one's ever seen. Part of it is uh, the hidden camera footage era, you yep. know? And then there's the website you can really, you can really get, you can fool a lot of people, um, and I don't know if the ring had a really cool. I bet it did. I'm sure it had a like a real moody music and playing in the background or something if you went to it, and there'd be like I can just picture like the ring, you know that that real cool imagery. Of, oh yeah, it's a ring, but you're looking up from the bottom of the well. Yep. you know, seeing that ring of light, such a man that 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 really pays off. Well, and, and one of the that, things like showing up, one of the things that they did as far at, with more of like a guerrilla marketing um, with this movie, and they, they did it again with the second one, but I think it worked a lot better with the first one, is they had actual tapes, VHS tapes with mm-hmm. with the uh, what's on the, the VHS tape in the movie. Um, hmm. They had that and it would play and they just they would I mean, they uh would you just kind of like they'd leave them out at like a a concert or i mean some big outdoor thing and people would take them i mean in a similar fashion to the movie where it's like the idea was that word of mouth where it's like okay there's actual tapes out there 
mm-hmm. and you would watch you'd watch the video and it's the same thing that's in the movie and then it would it would at the end it would give you a web address to go to and i think to to the point you're making one of the things about that i mean first of all for for a movie fan that's such a fun cool extra way to advertise i mean everybody puts out a trailer that's i mean yeah you, people can put out good trailers people can put out bad trailers too much information too little information wh- whatever it is like everybody's that's the standard so everybody's going to do that so when you go that extra mile and you have you know you have that addition of we we made a website or we we integrated part of the content of the movie into this secondary experience you can have before you even gone to the movie oh let me go check out this website and it it pulls you in plus i think I mean, just logically from as a, you know, I'm going over this, I'm like, okay, in that day and age when the internet is still this kind of emerging tool for things like this, it's going to give you a good idea of, you know, being able to see that traffic, like, okay, how many people are finding this? How is watching that kind of ex- that, that web expand of, okay, we're seeing people in these markets and so now it's spreading and being able to see some of yeah. that excitement building for the final product that's just that's just cool i like that yeah and all that stuff started then and here we are 20 years later 20 some odd years later and uh i don't understand how when i when i hear movies talked about in terms of budget like how much a movie costs to make and you would do the whole you know if it costs x then it's x plus x equals your actual you know yeah you just kind of take the same as the budget in marketing that's that's marketing side which i hate i don't like that moving kind of ship you know what i mean yeah because <laughs> how much it, it you could you could market all into mtv and it would seem that there's this huge marketing blitz but in reality mtv would be cheap so even though you thought it to be this huge marketing blitz that must have cost a ton of money. In reality, it could have been like a fourth of what it would cost to run much smaller ads on the big networks. Who know? But, but I don't understand how, like, I you would imagine those costs would have been reduced greatly with all of the advertising done uh, via online and just just like embedded into social media. You right? I mean, like they're just you, everywhere. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that. They, I mean, it's like with, you know, over the last couple of years, I know, I mean, and we've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast, just the, the, the phenomenon of TikTok, you know, social media in general, but especially avenues like that, where it's like, you know, advertising from all, all kinds of different institutions has changed considerably when you look at, you know, the reach that regular people have as far as influence, like, okay. Here's just some average Joe on TikTok that has, you know, 50,000 followers, which isn't, you know, you don't just stumble into 50,000 followers. It's like all of a sudden, you know, you have, you know, you're a, a studio executive. One of the one of the TikTokers that I found over the 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 pandy wandy was this girl who'd never, you know, she's a 20 something year old, you know, good looking girl who's never watched any of the Marvel movies. And that was her stick. She's like, I've never watched any of the Marvel movies, so I'm starting from this one. And she would just watch the Marvel movie and react to it. And part of it is she's a good-looking mm-hmm. 20-something-year-old girl, so people want to watch her videos anyways. But it, it wasn't sure. anything provocative. It was re- just her sitting there 
watching these movies. You get a little bit of a cutscene, her reaction. And, I mean, people went nuts over it. And then... You mean she didn't do it while she was, like, licking a microphone? Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was very just, you know, straight And then forward. Captain America got the super serum, and then he transformed. Just, I mean, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> like, you gotta start tonguing the microphone for, for, like, a minute, just so you don't lose that audience. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. But then, and then he dove on the grenade, and... <laughs> and she, and she ended up... Um, Marvel, some, I mean, somebody in the, in the, you know, advertising of Marvel reaches out to her to come to the, uh, Dr. Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness premiere. And wow, so cool. she's, so she gets to go have this really cool experience knowing that she's going to document it, knowing that all of the people, whatever reach she has, you know, that's a, an avenue of it. And it, you don't have to pour. I mean, even, even with that, it's like, okay, you know, you put a, I mean, when you think about the kind of money that these, I mean, the millions of dollars that these studios pour, he's like, okay, there's a $48 million movie. If the P and a budget print and advertising is that, that again, you know, another $48 million. If, I mean, when you're reaching out and you say, okay, this person has this sphere of influence, this person has, and you're going to these individual people that don't have a background in, okay, you want me to advertise this. Let's negotiate, you know, whatever the standard rate is like, here, we'll give you $1,000 to promote our movie. It's like, oh, cool. I just made $1,000 because I'm on TikTok and right, I'm some random right, dude. Right. Well, because they don't have all these crazy inflated prices exactly. you know, to negotiate around. <laughs> and and the, the I mean, I just, I just have to imagine the kinds of things that I, I mean, just that in the algorithms and the ways that, that they work. And you know that the advertising parts of it are well uh, established in those algorithms the the kinds of reach that things have now is way different i mean like when i when i think of when I, you know when i hear you know i'll just that it comes into my world here's how much coca-cola spent last year in advertising i'm like why is coca-cola spending hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising every i mean like yeah but they do and so it's like that yeah. money's circulating within the, the the economy and it's like okay if you can get more out of that because you find new and exciting and interesting ways to push your product out to the people, especially in the realm of movies. I mean, I know recently um, Smile, which I really enjoyed, um, they had kind of, there, was a, there wasn't a lot of buzz about it. I wish there had been more, but they had, uh, they did some of their own guerrilla marketing where they had, I think it was at least at one, if not a few different baseball games, they had somebody sitting like behind home plate just smiling. Just the weird, creepy, <laughs> like it was specifically done so that, you know, the, yeah. as the camera is there on, you know, the batter and it's like, okay, front and center, like you have this person in the background creepily smiling and they can't <laughs> help but notice. And they did the same thing on the Today Show. It's like, okay, you, I mean, if you pay that person $500 to go sit at a baseball game. Yeah. I mean, that's a drop in the bucket when you're considering this. And then, okay, all these people's like, now it's like, oh, did you see the thing on the at the baseball? Did you see the on the Today? Oh, yeah, I saw it. And it's like this whole right. secondary word of mouth thing. It's like. That's word of mouth is the most important, I think, yeah. element of a successful movie. You can spend a ton of money in in, in advertising, and you you know there there's a sweet spot, I guess. You yeah. gotta you gotta get it out so that enough people at least when when the person you trust comes in and starts talking about this awesome thing they saw, you want for all of those people to have at least heard the name, yeah, so that they have to back up and like, well, what's what's this again? And you know, so like, 
you got to spend a certain amount of money to implant that seed. You know, once you plant that seed into their subconscious, then you got your trusted um, influencers coming out raving about how great it is. And then you may have thought about you. Maybe you were on the fence of going to see it, but now you're it's galvanized. You know, you're going to see it. Yeah, because that was the that was just all you needed to just go ahead and go see it or, you know, even if. Even if it's like to a lesser degree, you know, something you might rent off, you know, uh, not pay per view, but you know, video on demand. Yeah, <laughs> showing my age. <laughs> pay per view. You know that you still want that kind of uh, word, so that's why you would get that secondary blitz of marketing. Yeah. for like home video. It's like, hey, remember this movie that came out a couple months ago that you didn't want to go see? Apparently, you didn't care about it. Well, it's back, and now you can it's just here. see it at home. Well, so and, like if you were if you were kind of sort of on the fence about it, but yeah, if you got somebody out there vouching for it, way more people are going to go check it out. Well, and and you know, like like you mentioned too, um, and even though they they intentionally didn't put it in as many theaters in the first week, it, you know that that really is kind of the testing ground for for I mean pretty much every movie anymore. I mean, some the blockbusters, I think everybody knows they're just going to do well out of the gates. But it's one of, like from that mm-hmm. first weekend to the second weekend is a big deal because I mean that really in a lot of other instances that can make or break your movie is if that initial crowd that has any interest goes to see it if they come back to kind of the general population where the rest of us are and like yeah it was I kind of wanted to see it so I went and checked it out it was not it's oh yeah I mean, it's okay you know mm-hmm. hear, hearing that kind of that buzz as it disseminates and especially with social media people put on Twitter. And I know we've talked about it before. It's like people, they'll go see a movie. It's like, if it wasn't the greatest movie they've ever seen, it's like, ah, oh, it's total garbage. It's like, okay, well, you may not have, to- I mean, you may not have been on the edge of your seat, but it's like total garbage is a little heavy handed. Every, everybody's got to have a hot take. Yeah. But it's, you know, that, I mean, that, if, if that's the story, if, you know, day one, you get whatever initial push goes and sees it yeah. and they all come back to the rest of the population. It's like, eh, it's a, I mean, you probably, it'll be on Netflix or Hulu or HBO in a you know few weeks. You'll be fine. The climate we have now, uh, that's enough for people to say, eh, all right, I'll wait. And your movie yeah. tanks or people go see it like, oh man, you got to see this. It's amazing. You have to go see this movie and you get that push. Nope had that kind of buzz for me. Like yeah. people in my trusted ring of social media that I follow, Everyone was just excited about it, and it had nothing but good things to say. And we're kind of just ready to let just just in case it wasn't a hit with critics. I noticed this too with Black Adam. You know, The Rock's out there showing off all this like positive press for yeah. his movie, and then you see like the Rotten Tomato score, and it's like very low. Yeah. So, oh, so the the prevailing opinion of critics, at least, is this movie is just another Dwayne Johnson thing that wasn't, we expected more. We, we got what we got like kind of the bare minimum rock experience, which is never bad, but we didn't get the elevated experience we'd hoped. And, but, but if you go and look at audience scores, they're really high because they just want to get out there and signal to fellow rock fans. Like, Hey, if you like the rock, don't let that be a detriment like, don't say like, yeah. Well, it's no good because it's a rock movie. We're like, well, that you you can't review a movie that way. 
Well, and <laughs> or nobody would ever go see Sandra Bullock movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, and I think I mean when you think about that too, it's I mean it's just kind of funny to think like, okay, in the, in the pantheon of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I mean, there's a couple here or there, like, okay, twins isn't exactly the, the norm for him. But it's like, when you look at his full body of work, it's like, are you really going to say every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is a completely independent experience? No. It's a lot of the same stuff over and over and over. And that's the same for a lot of guys like that. And not just action movies. I mean, a lot of comedy movies. Like, you know, until Jim Carrey got weird, it's like every Jim Carrey movie... It's him being Jim Carrey, and that's what people like to go yeah. see. So it's like, okay, if you like going to, I mean, there's the the Rock is a very likable guy, and his movies are really entertaining yeah. most of the time. Yeah, it's like they don't have to be like, and oh. he's the biggest hustler in the game. Yeah, like, he's yeah, constantly out advertising. Hard. Yeah, I yeah, he, <laughs> just watching and following him on Instagram, it's it's incredible. The dude really pushes. Um, and his fans recognize that. And I know the movie, man, we're getting so off, far off topic. I think the movie like debuted well, but I really felt so many people wishing and hoping that the people wouldn't go see it. I swear to God, I just felt that way about this movie and it's buzz leading up and it did. Okay. You know, it's between 60 and 70 million or something, right? Yeah. That's, that's certainly respectable for an origin story movie. So, I don't know. And I, I've heard about the teaser. I don't know if it's true, but I think it is. It sets up something very exciting for the future. So, anyway, back to back to the ring. Well, no, that's that's a good transition. Cause we have barely talked about this movie at all, and it's been like 30 minutes. <laughs> well, we've, 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 we've gone down some avenues. Um, but that's, that's a good transition, because IMDb has this movie at a 7.1 which I think is a, a fair rating. I think it's worth a 7.1. Yeah. Um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the, and this this really did kind of surprise me, honestly. The Rotten Tomatoes on it, critic score is 71%. Audience score is 48. Really, I really didn't think. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really didn't think that was the case. I, I mean, I thought this was that one of those. Recently, like, too, like we were talking about a movie that you just assumed fans would boost it, you know? Yeah. But it didn't. <laughs> it's like, what? I, I, I know everybody likes this movie. Why is the audience score so low? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember hearing a lot of people be like, "Ah, the ring." It was, uh, you know, it was, it was like anybody that I remember seeing the ring is like, "Oh man," I was. I was like, you know, it's not like the greatest movie you've ever seen, but it's like it has a seven point one on IMDb. That's it not a lot of buzz. That's not a rating it, that like the website said. It's like that's the people who use it. People talked about the ring on the web similarly to the way people talked about the matrix. Like there was a lot of people just talking about the ring. And I think I had a message to you after, cause I hadn't seen it in a minute for sure. I, I was kind of thinking like, Ooh, cause I was slow to the Japanese horror genre. I was slow to it and I exited it early. So that I hit, I watched a few of them and they, they would give me these kind of eerie feelings I give them that they they were really good at making just you feel icky and eerie and on edge. Um, and I'm not really sure exactly what my point is, but 
I know you had mentioned critics. Can we talk about what our good buddy had to say about this? Oh, one? I was, I was, yeah, we can. Because I was, I was gonna. This is when I was, because when I was reading the trivia on it, I was actually, I didn't go to his website. I didn't go look him up because I have no business doing that. Yeah. I can't stand him. No, but I no, did, no. I did see, not his review in full, but I did see what he reviewed this one as. Yeah. Do you do you want to reveal no, it? No, you. Want me to I can't. No, because I can't. I'll vomit. Okay. All right. The ring, two stars. Okay, it's pretty low. Here's this opening paragraph. Rarely has a more serious effort produced a less serious result than in the ring, <laughs> the kind of dread dark horror film where you better hope nobody in the audience snickers because the film teeters right on the edge of ridiculous. I mean, that's his opening like comment on the whole thing. So he's really taking this movie personally. Oh yeah. Um, and they're like totally, he, he has a somewhat more favorable opinion of child's play where he's like, this movie's trash, but it's really well-made trash. He doesn't even give this movie that respect. He's just like, fuck this movie. Yeah. I wish I gave it one star. <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, he is just because, and the the thing that I read about it was, <laughs> I don't know if it was, I don't think it was just Siskel because I think it said his peers, but it's like other people, other respected critics were like, dude, are you really giving this two out of four stars? Like, this is a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pain. It's a shame, dude. It really is. But I don't, I don't know why he has to be such a little a-hole about things like that and and it just seems to come and go and it, maybe it's because <clears throat> maybe it was a certain amount of money offered you know it's like i hate this movie but they gave me five thousand dollars so i'm gonna say something nice about it my opinion of it's gonna be obviously bad but i'm gonna say something po like you know complimentary <laughs> yeah I, and that's i think that's like this is why I, I like to bring up Babe Pig in the City because he gave it four stars. Because it's just one of those mm -hmm. things like, like, I feel like for the two of us, it's one of those things like every now and then I think we'll come across a movie like, you know, be like, oh, I, I went and saw this. It was like, you know, you really like it. And I'll be like, that oh, was it okay. And you're like, oh, or yeah. vice versa, yeah. where it's like, I would have thought that you would have enjoyed this movie. It's not bad that you didn't, but it's just like in, mm -hmm. in knowing each other's tastes and what we like, it's like, okay. I feel like we have a pretty decent gauge of, okay, would you really like this? Because, you know, we recommend stuff. It's like, oh, I watched this. It was really good. And every now yeah. and then, you know, it, just with all kinds of things, like some some things are hit or miss for one reason or another. Sometimes it's just, oh, I went and saw it, and I was with a group of people. I wasn't having a good day or whatever it was. Like, other factors could impact how you think about the movie. I know when I first saw Kill Bill, I was with a bunch of people I didn't want to be hanging out with, and I was tired and frustrated, so... I, for the longest time, I thought, I really don't like Kill Bill. And I went and rewatched it, and I was like, okay, no, I actually like Kill Bill. <laughs> Just when I saw yeah. it, I didn't have a good experience. <laughs> so No, you, the, 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 where you are as a person can for sure influence how you feel about a film. Um, no doubt about it. You know, I was going through some tough relationship period um, with, you know, my wife. And right around that time, the breakup was like the big new movie. Yep. And everybody was like, oh, we love, you know, Jennifer Aniston and we love, um, uh, oh gosh, why can't I think of his name? Um, the big guy. Vince Vaughn. 
Vince Vaughn. It was on the tip of my brain. Thank you. And they were like dating in real life. So it's like, everybody's got to see this movie. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just watching these people in a marital relationship and they're just sniping each other. And I was like, I'm getting like flop sweats watching this thing with my wife. It's like, I just hated it. And I've never wanted to watch that movie ever. Just, you know, and I'm in a better place now, but, you know, I just would have those negative, you know, feelings right off the bat. Man, I don't know. Maybe I should give it a watch. Well, no, it might be funny now. No, I, I, re- I remember going to see that movie thinking it's going to be a fun romance. I mean, like, okay, Jennifer Aniston at the time is in all of the romantic comedies. So mm-hmm. that was that was just a staple. And then Vince, I mean, Vince Vaughn, it's like, okay, I like Vince Vaughn. And he was, yeah. he was kind of in his prime, too. Um, yeah. I still like Vince Vaughn now, but he was definitely in his prime when the breakup came out. But I just remember, yeah. I remember the same kind of situation, go to see that movie on a date night. And I was like, oh, man, this movie is like aggressively, like, not rom-com material. Like, it's... It's very mean-spirited in a make-you-watch kind of way. Yeah, it's like, oh... I, There's it, nobody there to kind of like make a funny face to let you know like things are okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like okay, it's just like you're gonna watch this, you're gonna watch mommy and daddy fight. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, like when you have something like uh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon and uh, Josh, what's his face? Um, Josh something. Yeah, the Home Depot voice guy. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. But uh, I'll just call him Josh Home Depot. That's all one word is the last name. Um, but, <laughs> Sounds uh, good. <laughs> like that's was like okay they they bicker and they fight they they don't get along but it's cute and it's it yeah. plays into the storyline because that's that's the whole thing is like okay they turn things around because honestly I remember seeing uh, Sweet Home Alabama feeling a little bit bad for Patrick Dempsey because he was the yeah. other guy that you know she was engaged to it's like. And there was like vilifying him. It was like, oh, he's some rich guy from New York. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> like he, I mean, he shut down Tiffany's and so like, which, what engagement ring do you like? The, the, the dream for this girl is just like, oh, I got to go home to have these papers signed. It's like, you know what? That guy that I was really in love with at the beginning who had no idea all of this would unfold yeah. and just get shafted at the end. It's like, yeah. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, like he didn't do anything wrong. She goes home to this guy who she clearly doesn't like. I was like, oh, man, being home and eating apple pie and going to a town dance. I kind of love this guy that I was trying to divorce. I'll just ditch the New York guy, move back to Alabama, and we'll be happy. But it's like that's. I think it's supposed to be okay because his mom's like a powerful politician. Yeah. You know, so like by proxy, he's okay to hate him. Yeah, he was like, oh, wait, he's a the douche in about, the end. Oh, okay, we'll just write. But I think when I think about those two movies, it's interesting. Um, in Sweet Home Alabama, you get this cast of colorful side support characters yes. that are always being silly and goofy and letting you know it's the goofy face I was talking about. Yes. You're, it's, this, yes, this is an awkward situation, but there's it's not so bad. But in um, the breakup, you got John Favreau and, and what's his name, Bill Billingsby or whatever. Oh, yeah, Peter Billingsby. And, oh, Peter Billingsby, yeah. And they're they're like openly fighting and arguing, and they're just sort of uncomfortably just sort of there. Yeah, they don't do anything to lighten the mood. <laughs> they're no, just, they're just sort of there, 
also feeling awful about the situation. It's like, what am I watching? Yeah. It just and and <sighs> and there is no happy ending. Uh, that was like no, not really. Yeah, they don't end up together. They don't end I mean, up maybe together. the happy ending is that they don't end up together. Uh, and, and but... It's it's been a long time. I think I only watched it once <laughs> when it, when it was in theaters. And if I remember, yeah. remember correctly, it's like they break up and they finally do leave. You know, they split because that was the whole thing. It was like, oh, yeah. we're not going to split. They run into each other at the uh, end of the movie on the street after they would had already been broken up for some time. Yeah. Uh, you know, past enough time has passed where they've sort of healed past, you know, the they're kind of picking up the pieces. Yeah. And are decent human beings again. And there's a flash of chemistry again because they're not being weighed down by each other. Yeah. So, I mean, I say the happy ending is that they got divorced and both people became good human that, beings that, again. I mean, <laughs> that, that is, I mean, if there is anything to pick apart from the rubble, say, I think this aspect might be happy. It's like, okay, they at least don't hate their lives anymore because they're not together. Right. But it's like, right. in a rom-com, you're like, oh, okay, you know, there's like one of those formulas is oh, something happens and they split up. But magic happens and they come back together and happily ever after. It's like, nope. Well, think about if you're like in that position where you're ready to break up with your someone you've loved for a long time, but things just aren't good anymore. Yeah. And you go see a movie like Sweet Home Alabama where, you know, oh, they end up together in the end and they have a happy ending. And then you, now you're kind of like forced to think, oh, well, I guess I'm supposed to stick it out because in, in the sometime in the end, we'll be happy again but but in tr the breakup they're just like no 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 no, no. just fucking end it you'll you'll be so much happier again uh this movie's for you people who got divorces this is yeah. to let you know that no no this is the end you don't have to be with that bitch or that asshole anymore <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> just go watch another movie now and be happy <laughs> <laughs> i really didn't think of it that way until just now so it's good movie <laughs> yes we triumphed for all those divorcees. We feel good. We not feel like the shit because they didn't wait it out for that magic moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like 80 and 79 and just like, I fucking hate you. I want you to die so bad. <laughs> I don't have any strength in these arms or I would ring your fucking neck. Uh, I would murder you in your sleep if I could. So who's in the ring? What do we got? Uh, in this thing? All right. So the ring. We'll do. I'll do writer and director first. Um, writer is Aaron Kruger, um, and it was. It's funny because I was going through. Uh, okay, what else did he do? He's like he did Scream Three and Reindeer Games, and he did The Ring. <laughs> then he did The Ring Two, and I was like, okay, these are not not great. I was like then he did that, skeleton key. The trajectory of that career has no line. Yeah, it's just he did skeleton <laughs> key, which I liked. Just recently picked up. Oh yeah, um, good movie. He did Transformers two through four. He wrote those. Mm. Uh, so I mean, kind of a sliding scale of mm, to. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but God, they, if you had led with that, I would have been like, I don't want to hear anything more about this but, guy. This guy but, is clearly a hack. He's no good at anything. <laughs> here's the really funny part. It's like, so there's all those early on in his career. Um, and not that this one is some paramount, but it's like he did, he wrote Dumbo, the live action Dumbo, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. And then he did yeah. Top Gun Maverick. So I'm like, oh, wow. wait, what? 
What a weird career. How did you? <laughs> what? How are you suddenly like <laughs> Tom like, Cruise's main man? When did you get good? <laughs> you yeah, said I like know. I got to get all the crappy films out first. Here, let me write Reindeer Games real quick so I can get Maverick in. Tom Cruise is a huge yeah. uh, The Ring <laughs> fan. I don't know. This is huge. Um, like, I'm following this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, if hey, our schedules ever line up, then when the time is right, I, I want to do a Tom Cun remake. Can we get the guy who did Reindeer Games? Is he available? Yeah, I, oh. Skeleton Key was very good. <laughs> uh, but then director Gore Verbinski, and honestly, I thought he had a larger catalog of films that he had done. I've, I've just in feeling, I was like, I feel like I've yeah. seen that name a lot, but really, um, I mean, he has a few things, but his, his big thing outside of this was he did the first three pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, Oh, well that's huge. That's which is, not, which, I mean, yeah. that's burying the lead a little bit. I mean, those are much bigger than the ring. <laughs> those are, yeah, those are, those are three big movies. I just thought he had yeah. a lot more in his catalog. He did Rango and the Lone Ranger and Weatherman. But like those are, like after the pirates movies, like that's and yeah. Lone Ranger is by no means like some treasured classic. Didn't do well at all. But it's actually a pretty fun movie. Uh, people really hated on that movie for some reason. <laughs> now, if you think about it, your two stars are horrible. Like, ugh, you know, like I don't want to have anything to do with. It. Yeah, it's like it's Army Hammer and fucking Johnny Depp. Blech. But for for a minute, that would have been a great thing. Yeah, a Bruckheimer movie. Um, starring Johnny Depp, who just was the golden boy at that time. That was like a big miss for him. But it wasn't terrible. Like I, I was like, whoa, that was just a fucking Lone Ranger movie. <laughs> Admittedly, it I never saw fine. it. It was fine. There's some pretty good stunts in there. I enjoyed The Weatherman with Nick Cage. I thought that was a Yeah, decent. that wasn't bad. It wasn't, wasn't great, bad. but it was like, oh, that's bad. Okay. That's when like Nick Cage was having his sort of... Uh, I'm a dad in every movie. Kind yeah. Of like He'd be like, okay. Point of his career. Uh, I did the one where he blow up a bunch of stuff. Now let me be melodramatic. It's like, okay. Yeah. Ooh, he was God, kind of, I'm going to bathe in that. He was kind of back and forth in that for a while. Ever since that movie with Meg Ryan, I just saw those goopy eyes for like every damn movie. It's like, oh my <laughs> God, here we go again. God damn it. Damn you. Uh, what, what was that song? <laughs> The boo- the Goo Goo Dolls. Song. Oh, because the- <laughs> I remember actually I went to see that movie and thought it was good. Like I genuinely enjoyed it. Uh, bit melodramatic. Yes. But when that when that damn song was on the radio every was it every Iris hour was that it? every day? Iris. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then for some reason, just being associated to I, Goo Goo Dolls, my brain, my brain just told me that all of this is shit by yeah. association. I just don't want to watch this anymore. Yeah, that's a big, Ugh, that's a no for God. me, dog. It's a no for me, dog. Big time. So, so that brings us to the cast, which, like I said, not, a, I mean, uh, they intentionally went with what they call, I mean, they didn't want to hire a big name. Um, and uh, yeah, that was big for the director. He he feels, and this is the same way I feel about mo- like when when um, superheroes are cast. I don't like thinking about this big star playing a superhero because it's they're both kind of equally famous, and it's weird. It plays tricks on your brain. And if you've got Tom Hanks in a horror movie, you're like, well, surely to God, Tom Hanks is going to be fine, right? <laughs> yeah. 
or I mean, like if you were gonna if you're gonna recast uh, like well with the X Men, like if you're gonna recast Wolverine and you decided on Daniel Radcliffe, you know, like yeah, Jason was right. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to tuck that one in there. I was like, let me see if I can kind of wedge this in real quick. Dude, we're going to eat so much crow. We're going to invite him on and just apologize. He's not going to have any idea that we were bagging on him for so long behind his back. What, what we need to do is we need to wait until the, like, as soon as we get the news that the Wolverine role has officially been cast and it's Daniel Radcliffe, we're just going to have, like, so, uh, I guess oh, we got to have him on the show, man. Yeah. We get, whoever is cast, uh, you know, because it's not going to be Danny Radcliffe. No, it's not. It's whoever it ends up being, we're going to have to like talk to him about his firm belief in Daniel Radcliffe. And he's like, look how ripped he was in that Weird Al Yankovic trailer. <laughs> I'm like, okay, look, I understand that Wolver, like, Wolverine was like a stocky little dude, and Radcliffe is that for sure. <laughs> he's a little guy, you know? It's just Harry Potter. I can't. I yeah, can't no, see past that's, it. Yeah, it's, it's too fucking late. He's I never, really enjoyed Daniel Radcliffe. Like I, I enjoyed him even as the bad guy in that recent Sandra Bullock movie. He's like I like seeing him. I like knowing he's okay. It's like a Michael J. Fox thing. I just like seeing him. Um, but he's just Harry Potter. Like I can't see. He's gonna have to, like you know, shave his head or do something drastic and be in a crazy. Like where he's a serial killer, something wild. He's gonna have to read. He's got to do something insane to to break those. But even then, he'll still be like, "But he was Harry Potter." Well, I, I, I know he's crazy now, but he was Harry Potter. I, I think I think that's honestly a very apt comparison with Michael J. Fox. Is like Michael J. Fox will always be Back to the Future. He'll he'll always be Marty McFly. And it's like he'll doesn't mean he be, um, wasn't successful. Alex P. Keaton, you know. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't mean he wasn't successful and fun and other things. It's like I I enjoyed. Uh, I thought it was kind of ironic that he was in Now You See Me Too, another movie about magic, but it was <laughs> sleight of hand magic, not like wands and capes and stuff. So it was like okay, he's mm, yeah. that's kind of fun. He's in another magic movie, but it's different magic. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like yeah, I mean it's it, when when Daniel Radcliffe pops up and other stuff. It's like okay, I'm I'm happy for him. He won't yeah. not be Harry Potter, but he should nope. still be working. He's a good actor. He looks happy. Yeah. He looks happy. And like we know that childhood actors, the fucked up things it does to them. Oh, yeah. And he's emerged and he's done like little weird small movies. He's like been afforded that choice because he's forever wealthy now. Right. And he's got to always be wealthy for these. Well, although he's a minor, I don't know how that works. Is it his, like, parents that has that? Like, how does that work? I'm not sure. Surely to God, by, like, by the fourth or fifth Harry Potter movie, they were, even as, like, a, a minor, or where he might have been a teenager, who knows, he had to have been making a pretty good paycheck by then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They can't do him without him. Yeah. So he's probably demanding a pretty good salary. Yeah, you, you, um, you gotta imagine by then it's like, With okay. points and residuals. Anytime, like, you see, if you ever see a movie... And at the beginning of the movie, the star of the movie is an executive producer. They are taking a hit like they're they're betting on points and yes. not salary. You better believe it because like that's what's going on. They want to get paid. Yeah. In perpetuity for years. And not take that big cash out up front. So, you know, if you know you want to be around Hollywood for a very long time, that's a smart thing to do. It really is. 
And I mean, Daniel Radcliffe, I don't, he's not going anywhere. Not anytime soon. He'll no. keep being in stuff. We'll keep seeing him. Not I like Wolverine. Naomi Watts though. She she's a really I mean she has a very um, kind of even though she's um, Australian I think she has like a very kind of girl next door kind of you know and she yeah. puts on like all all people from everywhere can sound just like American like I think it's like everybody in the world can sound Cockney if they need to yeah you know it's like it's just something you can do you can pull it you, off you're not exactly talented yeah <laughs> uh, but I like her and. I, 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 she was in Mulholland Drive, I think, before this. Yes. Um, but she played kind of that similar, like, girl from a small town comes to the big city to make it. I mean, she just played that role really well. And she's not really doing that here. But still, you, you root for her. She's, like, a good actress. She does really good acting with her, like, eyes and stuff. Very similar to, um, she reminds me of uh, Nicole uh, Kidman. Nicole, yeah. In a way. Which I believe the two of them but are I, actually I pretty do, good friends. Yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, but I, I do enjoy her. Brian Cox is in this thing, which is awesome. Like, I love Brian Cox. He's had a real kind of interesting career, too. And uh, just to see him, because right now he's kind of back on a high swing, right? Because of the show that he's sort of known for at the moment. Yeah, that's Succession, uh, succession. I think. <clears throat> yeah, the Succession, right. And he's, he's just always in good movies. I, I mean, I, I personally think of him in Super Troopers. Can't help it. <laughs> that's that's one of the things uh, that I love about Brian Cox is like, yeah, he, he is in. He's the kind of guy because it reminds me of like a Christopher Walken kind of kind of guy where it's yeah. like, OK, he's a good actor. I mean, he's a serious actor. Oh, yeah. Takes I mean, takes the role seriously, puts really puts a lot of effort and energy into it in delivering a great performance. No matter what he's in, big, small, no, it doesn't matter. He's gonna really make the the role his own and do it really well and then you see him in super troopers like this doesn't seem like it would i mean like brian cox is like a real actor it's like these are just yeah these guys are goofing around it's like it's funny i love it but it's like this isn't you know some big fancy production of something but it's like there he is and he's and he's just as uh, just as good in playing the chief to these super trooper guys are like I, I love that. I think of Alan Rickman in like Dogma yes. and like Jay's accounting of like, oh my god, we got this serious actor in our dumb movie about we got a real monsters. actor in this movie. We got to do good, guys. Yeah. We have to elevate. We got to be I on his level. <clears throat> but yeah, I do enjoy him. It there's not a lot of people that you get invested in in this movie, right? There's just the, not it, a lot. There's of yeah. I mean, outside of is Rachel uh, Naomi Watts, then um, yeah. Martin Henderson, who plays Noah, who honestly, when I was going yeah. through stuff, is like, I thought I had seen him. Like, he's not one of those guys, like, you know, like, you're like oh, that's Martin Henderson. Like, you don't know him from a lot of stuff. You just yeah, feel like you recognize him. Yeah, he had a career overseas. Like, in New Zealand, he had a career. Yeah. And I think he was just hoping to be, because he had a look to him, you know? He yeah. kind of looked like Gavin Rosdale, you know, <laughs> like this kind of appearance that, you know, he looks like a movie star. For sure, he's definitely got. You know, yeah. He's definitely got the late nineties, early two thousands look with the hair and the fa- like. He's oh yeah, he fits that motif perfectly. And for to he, cast he somebody, wasn't smoking aces. I mean that that was kind of a cool movie. Yeah, I mean, and um, it was. It's funny because uh, I watched X recently, which he's in as well. And I was, I was like, I it was, I was sitting there, I was like, where do I know him from? I know, I know this guy. <laughs> where do I know him from? 
I was like, oh, he's he's in the ring. That's uh, that's where I know. You him probably from. hadn't seen him in twenty years. That's probably yeah, why. Like, that's right. Like, I forgot he's a thing. This guy looks familiar. <laughs> but and then he was in Torque, which I actually did see in theaters, and I kind of wish I hadn't because it wasn't good at all. It was really. This the movie really about like motorcycles, guys, gang, a gang of yeah, motorcycle motorcycles. gang, and with Ice Cube, you know, there. Oh well, you know. Early like early early to mid two thousands, Ice Cube is yeah. You're like always a good for a let's good just put for some ride. Ice Cube I mean, in this. <laughs> yeah, let's cool this out with some Ice Cube. And then the then then you had Aiden, the kid, the creepy kid played by David Dorfman. Um, and he, I mean, he was uh, for in this in this one, the first one, fantastic. Second one, you know, unfortunately, you know, it, it's he reminds me. Um, not ex- not like a one to one, but it's when I was like, uh, like a Michael Sarah, like he was perfect for the role when he was the right age, and as he got a little mm-hmm. bit older, it's just got. I mean, it was only three years, and he was still a kid in the second one, so it wasn't like he was like well, he's a creepy adult playing a kid. Um, but it was when I was like, especially because really the only other thing in his filmography was Drillbit Taylor, and I remember when I saw Drillbit Taylor, I was like. It took me a second. He was like, that's the kid from The Ring. It's like, oh, no, he should probably be done now. So is he one of the goofy kids that needs protecting? Is that, is that yeah, who he is? Yeah, he was, he was the really, Gosh. I mean, like, he was like the feral kid that was just like, ah, he was like super, you know, like, like he was like really intense and like, ah, hey, guys. They're like, oh, oh no. Oh, God. I thought he was pretty good in this in, 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 in the ways of child acting. It's, I, he's like kind of like on and off there's scenes where he's actually really good i i love the part with him where um the movie you feel like you 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 know the movie's not quite over yet but they're kind of trying to wrap things up yeah and he and rachel are just kind of lying in bed and she mentions um samara by name and he's like oh is that her name he's like yeah and then she's like well and then i set her free and he just kind of gets this stone cold look on his face and he goes, he's like, why did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it was a very, uh, sincere, uh, response, you know, like it, it didn't seem like a child acting. It looked like it was convincing. <laughs> he <laughs> it was and, really like, Oh my God, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like what? And, Cause that was the, like the difference that that was one of the biggest things in going between the Japanese version and this one is the nature of their relationship and the ways they played it. Cause in the Japanese one, it's like his, it's, she's a single mom with a little boy. Um, she's a news reporter. Um, uh, I think for TV, not for, not a journalist. Um, uh, and really and truly it's like, she, ditches him more often than not but it's like they have yeah. more of a, a cohesive relationship in the japanese one and this one you know they're they kind of focus in on how their the roles are almost inverted to where he's like the responsible disciplined mature one and she's kind of this flake and so he has this he has this air about him in in addition to being a little bit creepy at times where he's just kind of like this ho-hum like like he's some 50 year old you know mid-level uh guy he doesn't look like a he doesn't really look like a child in the eyes yeah he's just kind of got this 
it's like, not right. like he's wearing a little suit. I mean, he wears the suit in a scene at a funeral. Yeah. But like in my mind's eye, like he just wears that suit everywhere because he's yeah. that little kid that wears a suit he's, everywhere he goes. And he's got the umbrella. Like uh, that was funny because the umbrella scene is in the Japanese one, almost exactly the same. Where it's like he's walking with the umbrella, and it has kind of like that shot where he reveals his face. And he's looking up at his estranged father. It's like, and he just kind of goes about his business. But David mm-hmm. Dorfman plays it so much better to where it's like he like acknowledges Noah and he's like, mm-hmm. okay, and just goes like, I'm just not impressed with you. I have it, it's not it's not a disdain. He's not like angry at him because like you should be my dad. He's just like, yeah. you're just a guy. He's just like, oh, it's you. <laughs> yeah, and e- even the the way that he. he throughout the entire movie and even into the second one because they address it in the second one how he calls his mom rachel um yeah it's yeah. just like this more formal relationship like yes you technically you're my caretaker yeah on paper but we both know and even in that in that scene you're talking about where he's putting on his tie and the suit it's like rachel's yeah. running around like hey have you seen my black dress and it was funny it's like why would you ask your child that? Have you seen this my little dress? kid? Shouldn't be he shouldn't be holding you together right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why would your child know? Like, would he have done the wash? Would he have taken it to the dry cleaners? It was like, there's no circumstance by which he should know where your dress is. But <laughs> oddly enough, he's already got it. He's like, it. oh damn it! I was supposed to pick it up from the cleaners on my oh. way home from school, but I. Uh, <laughs> I was picking up dinner and I completely forgot I spaced. Oh, I, I, I'll get back on my bike and pedal down I'll to the run, dry cleaners. I'll run out and get it. We <laughs> need eggs this. anyways. I'll fix this, Rachel. <laughs> it's going to be okay. You're fine. I'll get it. I personally couldn't. It. I had to pull up IMDb with this kid because I... I couldn't be sure that he wasn't just Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle. (laughs) (laughs) He has that look to him. Yes. Um, But he's not. I did look. (laughs) But yeah, he and that's uh, like I love, you know. I thought the way that they they presented it, um, they this this the story. I mean, it felt like it unfolded. Um, in a somewhat natural progression in, in an investigative kind of way. And I think that's one of the things, like when I was watching the Japanese one, it was like from the onset, even uh, the, the Rachel character, she was doing a story on this tape that's supposed to, you know, like the whole thing is like, oh, she's already like, she doesn't find out about it. And like, it's she, already on her radar. Yeah. So it was this, this one I was like, okay, you know, you you have that the opening scene with uh the two girls and they're talking oh, that you have you heard about the tape you know and i really like that opening scene it's it, a very effective oh, it's scene. it's a great way to present things and to really bring you into bring you into the story in a fun in a fun way in a, in a fun creepy way uh, it reminds me a lot of the opening to scream you know it just yeah. kind of gets you yep. you it's a character that's not going to be important to the rest of the movie like she's not the final girl no she's she plays a role because they have the whole like funeral scene or whatever but and she talks to her friends like she's doing the whole investigative thing like you know hey can i have a cigarette hey what do you know about this tape (laughs) um because that's kind of how she goes from one spot to the next she's just following clues and leads and um Man, I just can't believe why she would pop that tape in. She finds the tape. You'd think that would be enough. She has to watch the tape. 
<laughs> I to hate that. Like why? But it's so cruel the way that the girls, cause her story was they were popping in a tape that was supposed to be a recorded game. Yeah. Why would there be like that? Does that, was that, was that a lie or was it real? Well, and because it, it really right over their game. That's and well, the thing the thing that's really interesting about it when when you think of like, especially as they're going through that tape, as you know, Rachel's watching it, Noah's watching it. It's like, okay, there are things about this this tape that are specific to the Morgans and their and Samara, but then there's parts of this tape that are very specific to Rachel's actual journey. Like the where the the horse, which that whole scene with the horse and the boat, that was just a week. Like rewatching, I was like, I know that this is a part of this, but like this whole thing is just weird. Like, because mm -hmm. it felt like a very forced scene where she's like, okay, clearly you're agitating this horse, but you're not leaving. Like you're like, oh no, no. Like, yeah, that that was really weird. Yeah, it, I, was, I don't know why. I mean, I guess if you're in the moment, you feel like maybe you disturbed the horse. It's your responsibility to try to do something about it. Yeah, it was. It, it was just. But it's like when the horse finally does, it breaks free and it jumps off the boat and gets ground up in the uh, in the propellers of the boat. Like that. The that's. <laughs> it wasn't just a boat. It was like a like a gigantic. Fairy. Yeah, the fairy. <laughs> so it's like I mean, it's like it chops up this chops up this horse, and the water yeah. turns you know blood red. It was yeah, like that in a PG thirteen kind of way, yeah. <laughs> that that image is on the tape, so it's like clearly that's very specific to Rachel's personal journey in finding out this backstory. Maybe that's how the tape works. Maybe there are um, static placeholders of everybody gets this information, but unique to your viewing experience. That would be that's uh, that's I like that. That would be really I because if you think about it, you never see anyone else watch the tape That's in true. front of her. I don't so <clears throat> it's very possible that those could just be ESP moments of things that are gonna be happening to them on their journey to their demise. I don't know. I like to think of it that way. I I like that. I like that because even when Noah watches it, that's when she steps out on the balcony and she sees all the other yeah. people in the, so it's like, yeah, nobody and when Aiden watches it, you know, she catches him at the very end. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that theory. It'll plug a hole enough where you can more yeah. enjoy the movie. <laughs> but, it, and the, I think that's one of the nice things is like, as you go, you know, you have these, the plot points, like she finds out about the tape, then she gets mm -hmm. the receipt for the photos and she goes and she picks up the photos and she finds out about the cabin that they go to. So she goes to the cabin. Yeah. Meanwhile, she's talking to Noah. So you're kind of getting this exposition on their relationship and, you got this now you can kind of split the investigation to what he's going to do and what she's doing so you got these two different plot lines going and um and they're interweaving and, and you know they're okay she's at the cabin and it was it was interesting um there was a whole i mean there was there um there were other plot points to this that they they edited out um originally chris cooper was going to be in the film um, they shot scenes. It was supposed to be a bookend. He was supposed to be at the very beginning and at the very end. Um, where? He, oh yeah. He yeah. He played like a uh, a murderer, rapist, just a a bad guy. Um, and he comes to Rachel, trying to convince her that he's reformed. Um, and so he's introduced early on in the film, just right at the very beginning, 
as this and she's like no she she totally sees through his his crap and how he he because he wants her to kind of help clear his name in the public court of public opinion and then at the end when you know you get to that point where like okay they have we need to make a copy of the tape who we're going to give it to that's the bookend as they the creepy twist ending as she's delivering the tape to him so it's like okay that's the kind of the just desserts for this bad guy he's gonna go watch this tape and you know that's but they cut that out because audiences found it to be confusing they didn't understand what was going on well this movie i I was like curious like how long is this it's almost two hours long yeah they might have just cut that out because i think that sounds cool i I like i I like sure like to see that in it like an extended cut kind of way um but for but you know like we do sometimes like you'll watch a movie and you go this probably would have been a better viewing experience had it been five to ten minutes shorter Maybe that's what they decided. Like, do we really want to put 10 more minutes of film? Yeah. It, for I mean, something that just probably isn't going to play well in theaters. I don't know. It, it, at, and because that's one of the things, too, is like at almost two hours, that was one of the big, big differences. Like, the, <laughs> the Japanese version is like 95 minutes long, so it's a good 20 <laughs> minutes shorter, but it feels yeah. so much longer because like it just drags. This one, rewatching, it was like uh, it, the, the pacing. It, I mean, there are times you probably tighten up a little here or a little there, but it never feels like, oh, you just cut this whole thing out and it would be so much better. It'd be, no. But it's like, no, it's, and it's good. It's good. And at the same time, it's it's nice because like, it never feels like that that video game-ish kind of feel where it's like, okay, now I got to go get this and now I got to go get that and <laughs> I got to go here. Let's, oh, we got to come right. back. Over. I have the key. Now I can go exactly. here and now, you know, yeah. But it's like, and you get. No, it's, well, she's, a, she's an investigator. So yeah. she's just naturally going to look and and dig it's perfect to have your protagonist be an investigator in a horror movie it's perfect it it really it really did work out and it was and it was nice because along the way i mean you had i mean i know they set the tone the the color tone of the film to be green there's that greenish hue throughout the entire movie to make it feel kind of sickly and 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 kind of gaunt and haunting just in in its general tone and it's like you, yeah, you, there's a lot of visual manipulation yeah. happening in this movie. Like what they say with the Dutch angles and the color grading of it, and being in Seattle and there being a lot of rain, fake rain too. Like I'm sure they filmed there thinking like we're gonna get some real rain, but even in like making of the movie, you could see them using like rain machines yep. to even give you more rain. Like they just wetter. We need it wetter. <laughs> we need more rain. It's like it's Seattle. How do we need more rain? It's a very depressing uh aesthetic it really is and i, I thankfully liked... we have naomi watts at the center of it to kind of give you a bright sort of beacon of like yeah i mean she's attractive but she's also very kind of <clears throat> likable in every way yeah. you wonder why she and um noah can't be um a family so that you know aiden can have this i you know like idealistic mother and father relationship at home like it's just different i'm sure well and that, this movie's cruel though because like it does it twice that was <clears throat> when the girls are doing their whole like story about the tape and then the one girl who does die kind of fakes her out like she's playing yeah knowing <clears throat> knowing that this is all real and she's just sort of trying to convince herself that it's okay yeah and but then right away it turns serious again and you know she's dead and they do that with uh, Noah and Rachel at the end. It's really sad. Well, and it was, 
And one of the things that, as I was thinking about, that was really, it was interesting just about the kind of the dichotomy of the relationships between here you have Rachel and Noah, who just through the exposition of the story and you find out, you know, okay, they, they were young and they were a couple and they had Aiden and neither of them have really, had really grown up. Neither of them are, you know, really very responsible. I mean, they're adults, but they're, I mean, they're not responsible people. Um, well, think about Naomi, like Rachel's line of work. I mean, she can't be sitting at home and, you know, she's, she's going to be out on tips and yeah, invest. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's, but, but she was the best choice because Noah, here's another thing about the movie too. Like I hadn't seen it in a long time. I remember Noah's character being way more shitty. Yeah. And didn't like unlikable. The first time I saw it, and I don't know, for I guess it's just because I'm older, I felt more sympathetic towards him. Yeah, I did at too. At least was willing to hear him out. He 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 never does anything to show you he's a bad person. He just was, um, you know, he's in, like I guess he's like an artist or whatever. He's a photographer. Yeah, he had his interests and he chose those things over you know being a father. And you're like, oh man, I could see like somebody struggling with that. And he, he's not cold towards the kid necessarily. He just seems to be an amicable sort of, um, I'm here for your mom, but we can't get along. So we're going to, we're going to do what we need to do to make sure you have a, you know what I mean? Kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it was, it was interesting to me that you have, here's this couple that's young, starting out their their you know not really their life together but they're just they're young and they she gets pregnant has aiden and it's you know that's not the direction that they wanted to go it's it, like it was it was you know they she has aiden she she's raising aiden as best she can which is you know from the first from the first moments that you're introduced to these characters aiden sitting in his classroom drawing a picture by himself with his teacher waiting on Rachel to get there. And she's like, ah, she's just this mess. Like, ah, sorry, I'm late. And there's all these, it's like, it's, that's just kind of like the frame of her life. Like she's just always going to be like, ah, just coming and going and, and, you know, not really aware of what she's doing. And then you have the Morgans, these two people who are, uh, established, disciplined, you know, committed that want a child and can't have one. And it, it, so you have these two different life cycles that are kind of the the opposite of each other, and it's it was just it was an interesting comparison to see how many miscarriages did she end up having? Like it said, and it was like an insane number. Yeah, of miscarriages. I mean it was a lot. It was like hundreds of miscarriages. Yeah, like, holy shit, really? It, yeah, God, it was, and and so it was. <clears throat> um, it's also heartbreaking to think like you wanted this thing so so badly. And then when you finally get it, it's this sort of troubled child. It's this whole distortion and of the reality you were looking for. It really and is. It's, and it was that that was that was the thing. Um, the just the, one of the interesting uh, differentiations because in the the U.S. version they were uh, very visual. They they wanted um, the ring. You know, even like you had mentioned at the beginning, that that ring that you see is looking up from the bottom of that well at the the light around that stone and there are several mm-hmm. other instances that you know i know the the shower drain 
um, a, a number of other places where visually it's all about this this image of the ring. Um, and in the Japanese version, the and it still ties into the story, but the the ring part of it is that cyclical nature of okay having to you know the process okay. that you have to go through to maintain your safety in this um in this cycle is like, okay i have to make a copy and i have to pass it on to so it's, it's this you know in the same way that the the morgans were you know kind of cursed with this girl and then even the people on the island that as you know rachel makes her way there and she's talking to people it's like everybody recognized that once she was gone life got better for everybody so they didn't really want to yeah like, but we don't want to look into this do you know <clears throat> sorry no go um, ahead what, have you read anything like they, I feel like you don't really understand the extent of her powers or, um, like, why did people dread her so much? Um, the horses got sick or something, right? I mean, is that really all she did other than not really sleep, too? Like, she's just like, she's always awake. Yeah. The- what did she do that was so <clears throat> terrible to not only her parents and in the immediately, you know, that immediate um, household... But also, like, the whole town has this sort of... And I know small communities, they know each other, and that's a thing. But do you know of anything that she did, really? They they go... I mean, in The Ring 2, they go a little bit more into the backstory of Samara and Evelyn, who's her mom, in, in uh, The Ring 2 is played by Sissy Spacek. Um, oh, nice. That's nice. And, yeah, and so, and so um, the... The lore is supposed to be that Evelyn, because uh, she's she uh, uh, Rachel goes to visit her in a mental institution. Um, I, I think she's I want to say she's there of her own volition. Or, no, no, I, it's it was because she she uh, tried to drown Samara when she was a baby because the voices were telling her to do it. So there was. This I think the story she was had some su- like mental demons. The, yeah, the story on. was supposed to be something along the lines of Samara was conceived. Evelyn is the biological mother, but there's supposed to be some kind of demonic entity that's like water, like a Poseidon, like a water demon. They don't really go into it, like specifically through storytelling or anything it's just more like implied like okay it's the mm-hmm. some sort of entity impregnated evelyn and evelyn became aware that like this okay this child's gonna be evil and yeah. so like that was that was her whole it was like there was just like suffering was supposed to be what she brought about to people so i think yeah kind of, she well i mean she may have she may have been behind many like yeah animal killings or something we don't know yeah the, from it, it would I, I would feel more because uh, I mean, villains are nice when they do have some sort of sympathetic uh, air to them. But if you're just this sort of evil incarnated through birth, uh, right? I mean, it's like um, anything could happen, I guess. <laughs> and, well, and because uh, you, you guys make up a good story, I don't know. <laughs> that, that was that's that's one of, I think because I just see a little girl who's just sort of thrown into a well. She's like singing and seems to be kind of content, and she just gets flipped over. <laughs> and I, I, th- I think I think because I think that's the thing about and, and like there's some aspects of the fact that it, they don't give you enough backstory that work for the movie, and other aspects yeah. of it that just 
that don't as well because it does leave you with some of those questions like okay but why is all like okay so i know that they threw her down the well mm-hmm. and uh, all of it kind of leads to that conversation you were talking about where you know rachel is laying in bed talking with age is like oh no we set her free because at the time that's what you're supposed to think has happened it's like oh, okay she's this poor kid yeah who these people A adopted soul who was she discovered it. you've seen it lots of times in movies yeah so it's it, i mean like but then then you kind of have that turn and you're like, oh, no, 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 you're not supposed to let her out. She's bad. And it's like <laughs> you spent all this time building up this idea that she's, you know, you're supposed to be sympathetic to it. Like that was the trick, you know, that they set her free. So now the evil is gone. You know, she's been cleansed of whatever, you know, it was it was the idea that, you know, it was her spirit was living on through this tape. And that's what was doing all the things we're like, OK, no, that's not the case. But the problem is once you have that reveal, which you clearly they really wanted in that scene where they're like, yeah. why did you do that? Like, oh, yeah, that's the yeah. reveal that they wanted. The problem is when you get to that reveal, you don't have a reason why she's evil. You haven't given us that. No. It's like, okay, no, she's the entity. No, no, you, she was supposed to be contained. <laughs> right. But right. then it's like, okay, but well, if she was contained, why was she doing what she was doing? It, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like she's she's finding ways to um, manipulate fresh fresh meat into her yeah. cycle, and you know people are making copies, which is you know something you would do if you had this tape. You would make a copy, so it's just getting out there more and more and more. <laughs> and I, I do. It's a great it's a great idea. It was it's a great idea for a horror franchise. It was a really fun twist at the end, you know, because you. And I think I think that was the distraction from it. That and that was that was how I felt like they handled it. Okay, because like you're watching it, you're like, okay, I do have more questions now, and they're not going to answer them, which is a little bit frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, they only had enough time to be like, okay, we'll let you figure out. Like, what, what, why? Okay, so then, because then you cut to, you know, you have Noah in his loft, and then all of a sudden the TV right. clicks on, and she comes right. out, and he right. gets oh, mangled. God, man. And so then um, Rachel's got I, a... I, I, that's actually... a. It's a good movie. Yeah. There's a good, lot of good things going on in this movie, but the only thing I remember for, or remembered watching it... I mean, parts of it was coming back to me as I was re-watching it. Yeah. But when I think of The Ring, I just think about the scene with Noah. Like, I just yeah. feel like that's the whole movie. That's what she's doing the whole movie. But it's not. It's like, that's the only time you really get to see her in that form. And I found this really cool... Uh, featurette of I think it's the actress who played like the adult Samara. Well, I mean she's still supposed to I guess be a child, but she's actually an adult. But the hair's going over and stuff. I also read that the little girl who played Samara, yeah, when she saw herself in the premiere of the movie, really got freaked out. Like she didn't, <laughs> she because I one of the things I read was the actors on set were all like this is a big piece of shit, right? This is, is this really working. This isn't scary. Like we're really trusting the filmmaker to make, not make us look stupid. Cause this could just really come off stupid looking. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, and cause I think, I think that was one of the things that they did because it reminds me of Friday the 13th, the first one where um, the twist at the end, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the first Friday the 13th from the 70s, but it's Jason's mom. (laughs) 
it's like the every time you see somebody yeah. getting killed it's this first person shot and you know now in the year 2022 if you haven't seen it you would be under the impression that it's jason everybody knows jason Voorhees. Ho- oh hockey, hockey mask. mask jason yeah yes. he's out there killing these kids you find out no. at the very last minute no it's his mom and she's getting revenge on all these kids for her son dying needlessly because these camp counselors weren't paying attention to the kids so right the whole movie, like you see Samara as the little girl on these tapes, and you you know you see some of the imagery in in the the little the VHS tape, but it's that Noah scene where you finally do really get to see her in all her you know glory as she crawls out of yeah. the TV, and then even just that quick cutaway where you see kind of her waterlogged evil looking face for a half a second as she yeah it's very unnerving yeah when she sticks her head through the window that first time it again it was another one of those big chill down the spine yeah. like because like i never uh, a monster coming from a screen was not it's not the first time that's been attempted <clears throat> but it's never looked as good as that yeah and the featurette that i was talking about with the actress she has a youtube channel it was like a making of. She documented the whole thing. Nice. Really interesting little, like, 12-minute video. And she's, you know, they show her, like, what she normally looks like, and then they're putting on some of the makeup, and then she's got these contact lenses in and the in the outfit. But she's just, like, dancing and, like, being silly. She's <laughs> just this really little small, petite woman uh, being silly. And there's, like... It's in a, it looks like a it looks like a hotel room is their studio and they've just got like old fashioned green screens everywhere and they're showing the TV prop. It was kind of like, oh, this is how we this is the practical parts of the effect. You're not going to see all the digital parts, but here's the practical parts. And it's just so silly to watch. You get a sense of why. And that's why I was going to bring up the whole um, Naomi Watts, Martin Henderson thing. You just don't know how it's going to come across until they put apply those special effects. Yeah. You put a, you really put yourself out there because sometimes you'll see these schlocky performances. <clears throat> it's probably just because you're not taking it seriously enough. You yeah. can't really see the full scale of the monster, and I think that's us. You know, that's kind of a the, one of the negative aspects of our reliance of digital effects versus old practical effects because at least they could. You know, you know, with lighting and with, you know, certain things, they're going to make it look scarier on film. But at least you have something to react to. This monstrous, horrific looking thing. Like I think about like John Carpenter's, you know, the thing. They had all those monsters that yeah. they could react to. Crazy monstrosities. Anyway. Well, no, and saying? that's. Because I, I, it's it's funny, you know, you go back and you rewatch this, and like I said, it's 20 years old now. Um, and it's funny because there's so many things that have come down the road. I'm like even thinking about like the scary movie stuff um, where, you know, they par- they parodied this where she comes out of the TV and she's, I think it's Regina. I think it's, uh, what's her last name? Regina. No, it's not Regina King. King. Is it King? Oh, maybe it is King. Um, that was the name that was popping my head. It was like, you know, she gets in a little boxing match with the Samara girl and they're punching each other and, you know, having this, this WWE fight. Um, yeah. And then there's so, so many like other punking her out, taking away yeah. all her power. 
so many other instances in popular culture i mean it, it just at different times where like you've seen something similar or like you've seen an iteration of this or you know an offshoot of what they did with this and it's funny because like one of the things as i was watching is like i tried to kind of go back to that mentality of like you're seeing all of these kinds of things for the first time like that like you were talking about that image of her coming out of the tv and that scene with noah it was that was one of the most iconic parts of the movie because of that reveal and because that was and like there's a lot of times where i'm watching something and i know there's a, a monster or an entity or something and i'm like i want to see it i want to let me see it but it's like it that's that's one of those things like you really have to balance that well because if if you show sh you know give away that reveal too early then it's you know, it's kind of like for the rest of the movie, it's like, well, I've seen it, so it is what oh, it is. This kind of sucks. Yeah. And if you wait, I agree. You I wait agree. too late. It's the Jaws like, thing. You would, you don't want to see yeah. too much of mechanical Bruce. Exactly, and like, because that was one of the things. Like, I, I should go back and rewatch it because I don't think I've watched it since. But I remember, like, in Cloverfield, I know there was like the the scene down in the in the uh, the subway was really good because they had little creatures that was lit well and it was a creepy scene. Yeah, the little scabs. Yeah, but yeah. I, I I remember watching that movie and just feeling like they could just the reveal of the creature came too late for me. Like I was like, oh, I just got to see it and like the movie's pretty much over now. So it's yeah, everything's happening. You don't really ever get a good look. Like yeah, they'll show footage on live TV happening, and it's that kind of fuzzy so, sort of you know footage. <laughs> it, it is it is one of those like it's there's a very delicate balance there of like when do we when do we reveal it and ha i mean yeah. having i mean like there's enough little you know you kind of follow the breadcrumbs throughout the movie and, and you get different there's different little creepy things there's the oh, i'm peeling the fly off of the tv screen oh she's mm -hmm. pulling yeah you know she's pulling that that hair out of her her mouth it was like okay there's different that was disgusting i was like oh it's like i'm sitting there, oh like it was gagging. like out of her skin or something right yeah it was, it was like one a of those itchy play. it was like hair it's long strand of hair but then at the end of it was one of those little things you put on the skin that the doctors were using it was like okay is this one of those mm. nodes or is this her hair and it was like just like yeah. oh, the whole thing was just gross but you got it was you got enough of those along the way towards like you right. had little elements that kept you creeped out and then when you have that you know the tv turns on and it's that screen it's flickering and there's the the ominous music you know or the sound the sounds that are just kind of surrounding you in this it's like then she comes up out of the well and it's also it's slow but at the same time it's that it's that glitchy where it's like she also moves in ways that you don't anticipate so it's yeah and and i don't know how they always film it that way but at least with Samara walk coming out of the television. Yeah. <clears throat> they film it in reverse. So it gives you that tiny little bit of oh, unnatural nice. movement. Cause you're just not used to moving in reverse. Yeah. <clears throat> so you're kind of making the same motions, but it's not a natural kind of motion. I think that's how they do those effects and they're, they work really well. That, yeah, it that's... really messes with you. And, and it comes across because I know in the second one, um yeah it's in the second one she, when there's another scene where she's she falls down the well and she's climbing up and the the evil Samara's coming after her and it's it's that same uh that same stunt woman that i think performs from the first one at the end uh doing in the second one and she's doing that kind of like crawl weird and it's all that's all her movement it's very contorted 
But it's like what I yeah. what I liked about it. That was a, that was about the grudge too. That was how yeah. she moved. Yeah, yeah, that was that was big in the grudge. That was that was the whole. It was yeah. like her, her movement was all herky jerky. And what I liked about the, and by the way, the my one of my favorite scares in any movie is when the girl from the grudge is coming down those steps, and she crawls over into like Sarah Michelle Gellar's face as like the house is burning. Yeah. And just gets right up in her face like she's a spider or something. You're like that kind of. Oh scare. yeah, there were some. Like, I can't move. I'm paralyzed with fear, and she's getting right up to my face. My 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 favorite. It did. I I saw it coming, and I think a lot of people did. Probably most people did. But my favorite scare from that was the girl on the high rise when she's in her apartment. I think it's like her sister or something, and she lifts up the mm-hmm. blanket, <laughs> and the face is there. I was like, I know that they're banking <laughs> off the scary aspect of this face being the scare, and, and a lot of people were, but I'd like, I like. I found it scary. I found it. I, I like it. Just, I mean, it just cracked me up. I mean, like, I was, but it wasn't your face. It's so in your face. I mean, it's one of those things. Like the reality of that. Like if that app actually happened to me, I would be terrified. Like it's even yeah. as an adult. Like if like if in the evening when I'm locking up <laughs> and going upstairs to go get in bed, it's like I'll you know sliding glass door and make sure it's locked it's like the idea like if somebody was standing there looking at me just would absolutely terrify me absolutely just to be like ah I'd fall over backwards but it's like yeah in that moment it just i mean it like cracked me up just because like she i was like <laughs> she's gonna lift up that blanket she's gonna see that face yeah and she did i was just like <laughs> you you know it's gonna happen it's just is the way they show her yeah. gonna pay that, off? I mean, the, how are they gonna do it? The face, the face that they, I mean, that she made. The, I mean, the big eyes, the open mouth is like it. I mean, it was yeah. legitimately. I mean, they they didn't do anything goofy. They didn't it's do anything unexpected. Wrong. You didn't expect. Yeah, to see it was that. A, it was a terrifying image. I just loved. She's like she lifts up the blanket. <laughs> There's the face, and I was like, I, th- I couldn't <laughs> help it. It, it still it still cracked me up. It's like it's a scary face. <laughs> there, that movie. I mean. Yeah. The Grudge is a is another one of the, I mean like they did really as well as they did with The Ring. They did I would say equally as well with The Grudge as far as transfer. I actually prefer The Grudge over The Ring. Yeah. Still, but I, they're really both really good. But yeah, so I think they're both the best of what you're going to get from yes. any of those types of movies. Yeah. But Dark Dark Water was okay, but it you know, it it definitely doesn't equal the grudge yeah it, the ring, it didn't it didn't story. hold up as well as the other two and the grudge yeah. i think the grudge you got a lot more mileage from because you had the little boy who was creepy um and and then you you did yeah. have you had more instances where they used the woman and her face and that they used that it wasn't too much but they did give you more yeah. than you with you got with it Samara. wasn't lit it wasn't lit well at all yeah um, so you get kind of basic shapes, but yeah, it's effective horror storytelling, you know, just if, if you're at a, if you're in a campfire and someone's describing a horrific thing to you, yeah, what you're building up in your head, is probably going to be more terrifying than what someone can do in a, in a creature shop. Probably. Yeah. You know, you and that was the tease of digital effects. Like, well, <clears throat> with digital effects, we can no longer be we're no longer restricted to building it. The problem with digital effects is like how do you how do you overlay it naturally? That's yeah. always the problem. Can I see the lines? And if I can, fuck it. I don't it I don't care how cool it looks. 
if I feel like it's, you know, and that's why I like that set that they use for these new Star Wars movies. It's like a digital screen, but it, it photographs naturally yeah. or something. I don't know. Like, it doesn't look like a green screen anymore. Cause, well, because that's, 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 that, that's that line. And when you're using those practical effects, like you were talking about with the thing, when you have a monster there and you have people that are responding to it, and, you know, and yeah. lots of different movies when you have, I mean, like, the first one that pops into mind is, you know, Hans Gruber and Die Hard when he's doing that fall scene and they let him go <laughs> a half a second earlier than he's expecting and you see that real fear on his face as he feels like he's falling. He's not anticipating it. When you get that real response from the movie that yeah. transfers to you as the viewer and so if you can yes. see the cracks in it if you can see like you said you see the lines or you see the strings or you, whatever the mechanism is that's supposed to be manipulating that reality if you can, it's a mean it's it's like bordering on terrorism kind of like yeah. a kubrick kind of way because yep. um ridley did ridley scott did something similar in alien to get a more sincere reaction out of uh, one of his actresses, he did, just did not tell them, yeah. you know, tell her what they were planning to do with that whole uh, William Hurt scene. With yeah. Ch uh, Chess, he he knew what was going to happen. Um, maybe some of the actors had, and I don't think any of them really had any, like maybe they had a general idea, but they didn't know it was going to push the air out and do all that shit. Yeah. Splatter the blood the way it did. And she was completely in the dark. And you get this m amazing reaction, this, and, she that's her real fear and it's always forever captured on film i mean does that mess with you does that make you resentful of the movie it's like oh people are delighting in my genuine fear you know this is not natural i think i think what it does is it it is it takes us out of that um that viewer seat and puts us in with because i like I remember one of the phenomenon that was funny to me is like when I was in high school and in my early twenties, I mean, I could, I I'd still, I mean, I, I could watch horror movies all night long and go to bed and it like, it doesn't, it, it's like, I, it's just a movie. Like I know it's like, you know, I'm not impervious to fear, but it's like, okay, I can, I can draw that line myself. It's like, okay, I just watched, you're we like, Oh, I just watched it. Oh, it's that movie creeps me out. I could, I have to watch something. It's like, it's just a movie. I know, but yeah. all the bad dreams and it's, it's, okay, uh, you know, it's not uh, fear manifests in different ways for different people. But like when I would play Silent Hill, that would scare the shit out of me. You see, they're making a re they're doing a remake for the PS5 Silent Hill 2. Really? Oh, my God. It looks so real. <laughs> it's uh, like it's going to be a hard game to play through. It, I, it was what it's, it was the same thing like when Resident Evil was was new. It was when I was like, I mean, when you go back and you look at it, it's like the graphics aren't impressive and the scares aren't really that scary. But I think it was that idea. It's like I'm controlling this character in the movie or in the game and something came and got the character. And by by this transitive property, it feels like I got got like it feels like the zombie got me or the little creature came out and spooked me. And so it's like it's that like yeah. I had that connection to the person that's in the story and so I think in those instances where like when she, you know, even as I'm, I'm laughing about it now, I was like, when you, when she lifts up that blanket in the grudge, you're like, that's what I would do. And it's supposed to put you in that scene. And so it's like the more that you're removed from it, the less it scares you. So it's like the more that they make you feel, I mean, like I think of Kubrick with Shelley Duvall, it's like, you know, talk about terrorizing somebody. 
I was like, okay, they want you to feel just like she's feeling in that scene when Jack Nicholson pops his head in. And I was like, you're, you're supposed to feel that same dread, that same terror. And so I was like, okay, somebody actually got terrorized in this. But you, yeah, you want me to cool feel the same way. As long way. as the actors game, right? As long as the actors game. Yeah. And you push them, that's one thing. But it just felt like she was cruelly, just treated very cruelly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> but... Uh, but wow, does it does it really look awesome in a movie? <laughs> it does, and the fin- the finished product of the ring. Without that, the movie wouldn't be the oh, same. Oh yeah, no. And when when you get you get to that, you know you you I, I, even though it is right at the end, you get that scene with with Noah. She comes out of the TV, and again you get you. I mean, you have that whole scene, and then you you still on top of that, you get that reveal of when. Um, when uh rachel gets there and sees that mangled face again you're like ah you get that same you know you're gonna see it because you already got a glimpse of it early in it's like you know they're not gonna hold back and Um, and they draw it out they really draw it out it's i'm sure it had everything to do with the budget but like in the japanese version it's just people making a face of like ah it's there's nothing special they didn't do makeup with it so it's like that. That was a that was a, a missed opportunity when you've seen the American one. You're like, they really yeah, do it up. They, with that man, mangle. they did such a good job. Yeah, they really do. I mean, they look bruised and bloated. Yeah, and twisted. Uh, it's it's kind of like <clears throat> it's kind of like the screaming man painting. Yes. you know, like yep, the, the screamer. It's worth yeah, the screamer. It's very similar to that. Very it gives you that same sort of. It's uh, that contorted, distorted. <laughs> and it is i mean it's uh, creepy and it just do you want to do you want to talk about um any of the other ring stuff um because i don't i don't i doubt very seriously we'll be revisiting the ring the, uh, again the i mean the ring too i think we both agreed um i know we've we probably mentioned it before but the I, ring too is it i mean it doesn't hold yeah. up it sucks no it's super it's not forgettable good. it doesn't have it doesn't have the big reveal scene to stand out no the only part i remember that was effective was when and i liked it because it made you feel unsafe at a time when you should have felt okay during the day with a lot of people around yeah but I think the little boy goes into um, the public restroom. Yep. <clears throat> at the fair. And yeah, at the fair or whatever it was, a little county fair thing. And the way the Samara approaches him, and where she kind of glides. Yeah. It, it was a good. It was a good effect, and it was scary and creepy enough to kind of remember. But no, I don't remember. And oh, and the deer scene. That's the deer. The thing oh, that the deer. Really yeah. Oh, those fucking deer. Those digitally created deer. Yeah, and it, it doesn't get any better with age. I can I can attest to that. It's It looked kind of corny yeah. then, so yeah, I can imagine. It's the the problem is and I, it was something that you mentioned earlier. The problem is and it wasn't necessarily a problem with this um but it's just more of a notation is you, you once you, you start into this movie and you get into it and you don't have the rules. You don't know, I mean, how how do you negotiate through this story, you know, what is and isn't. And over the course of this story, and even at the end, you get to the point where it's like, when she has that revelation, it's like, what did I do different? How how did I not, Yeah. how did I not yeah. get got? And Noah did. And she re- realizes I made a copy and showed it to someone. And that's the trick. And yeah. so it's like, that's, 
it, it ends on that spooky creep showish tales from the crypt kind of way where it's like that's the that's that hook where it's like she's she's manipulating Aiden's hands to make the copy of it it's like and then he has that line it's like who are we going to show it to and it's just yeah that was a great moment oh, I mean it's just it's unnerving again he's sort of acting as the responsible uh adult like you know she's like you just we're going to show it to somebody you yeah. need to survive and I get that I get that but he's the one who goes you know like what's gonna happen when we show this to some they're gonna die <laughs> well and it because it was that same kind of dread from it follows where it's like okay you know the the step that i like that it follows took great great comparison is the, like once you've passed it on to somebody else it's their problem that was the thing with the yeah. ring it's like okay once i'm safe i'm good in it follows yeah. it was okay if the person ahead of you gets killed it defaults back to you and now you're back in that driver's seat and that's where they really turned the heat up with that. And I, I think that's what makes that movie stand out yeah. and appreciate on its own. In The Ring 2, they just kind of abandoned all of... I mean, it's like, okay, it's back. And she's like, the the tape pops up in a neighborhood nearby where they've moved to. But now it's not the tape anymore. It's not about the tape. It's, okay, Samara's just coming after them. She has a connection to them. It's like, well, you you're just creating a story out of nothing now so it's like you've set all these expectations you've set how it's supposed to work and then you've just yeah. completely subverted all that so it's like the story it is like once you kind of have that construct of the world you're supposed to be in the ideas were supposed to work within that and it's like if the story automatically just takes you out of that then it's like it's hard to go back to that place where you feel inside the narrative you're like no this is all just silly now I was like, I can't get into yeah, this. Yeah, because when somebody does something that's clearly against the rules, yeah. you're like, no, no. Yeah, but, it's like, you know, they don't this, know. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's like, you guys set up the rules. We're now just playing by yeah. that same game. So it's like, if you're going to, yeah, you're going to try and backstep that with no reasoning. It's like, no, no, she just connected to the kid. It's like, well, that doesn't that make doesn't, any sense. You know, like, really? It's like, it would have been better probably if they just had not had any sort of continuity with the original characters and just try to do like an anthology type thing. Yeah. Kind of like what John Carpenter wanted to do with Halloween three, but people yeah. were like, no, <laughs> or we got to have Michael Myers. If, if they would have, um, cause I was the, the bridge that I liked from final destination to final destination two with clear rivers, the Allie Larder character where she was a survivor from the first one. And she is kind of that she's the mentor for everybody's like okay you guys have figured this out figured out how it works let me show you how to be successful and it's like if you want to bring rachel back you want to bring aiden back don't bring them back as the victims a second time integrate them into the story where it's like you're trying to help other people and like okay here's yeah. how you have to deal with this tape thing like yeah we survived it here's how you guys can too in, yeah. in the midst of people dying or you know things exponentially growing and the sure her threat is great whatever it is it's like the ring too just sucks you know don't waste your time <laughs> it with does it. it really does suck it's a it's a pretty shitty sequel i mean it it's only in its entertainment value is in picking it apart and having yeah. fun with it that way if you're cool with it in that way if you want to just have a good laugh at the deer scene yeah then you know it's a fun movie to watch with your buddies you know but if you're just like really in the mood for a good scary movie you can pass. Yeah. Big time. What about the remake? Did you see that one? Uh, you, Rings? Whatever it was called. Rings? Yeah. I would watch Rings again before I would watch The Ring 2. Um, Rings, to me, feels a lot like Scream 4 in the respect that it was years later 
we weren't expecting a revisit to this franchise and we got it. And I was like, was, I, I remember we're checking out, it came out in 2017. Uh, it's got Johnny Galecki and it, it was kind of an interesting, I was like, Oh, I haven't, you know, I'm used to him in big bang theory not, in the height of his big bang stuff. Yeah, that's like, interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he doesn't need to do this, <laughs> but it, it was, it was interesting. Um, because it did the same kind of thing to where it's like, uh, he finds the tape and they, they don't really like, they don't go into how he figures out what to do. They just kind of flash forward to, he's a biology teacher at a college at a university. And so there's this kid, this boy and his girlfriend, he's going off to college and she's, um, they're trying to maintain a long distance relationship and he kind of drops off the radar. So she goes to try and find him come to find there's this whole kind of underground society that's invested in this, in the science of the ring to where they're like tracking, like it's, they've made it a digital copy on the computer. So it's not beholden to the whole VHS tape thing anymore. You still have to make yeah. a copy of the video, a copy of the file and share it with somebody, but they're tracking people and they're documenting over the seven days, like, you know, because hmm. Galecki, his whole shtick is trying to figure out this afterlife idea. Like when, the, you know, is there a soul? Is there life beyond the physical? And so they're trying to track, okay, you know, th this guy's on day five, this guy's on day six, this guy's on day two, you know, and documenting all this stuff. So it's supposed to be scientific. I mean, it, it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's it's watchable. If you watched it, you wouldn't be like, oh, that was the worst thing I've ever watched. You wouldn't be like, oh, that was as good as The Ring. Um, and then it goes into the backstory of Evelyn and Samara, but it kind of retcons some of that because it's different than The Ring 2. So they, they make it their own. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it's entertaining enough. Um, yeah, I've it watched it, I think, three times bad. now. So it's, okay. it's, it's one I'm sure somewhere down the road, like, you know, in it's spooky seasons to, to be yet to be. And just other times, if I watch the ring, I might pop in rings. I'll skip the ring too, but it's one of those, like, if you got, uh, you know, an hour and a half and you want, you know, a more recent one, there's better horror movies, but I still enjoy in it. In a way it might, it sounds like it might be a better sequel. Honestly. Oh, it's, it, yeah, it's a much better sequel than, than the ring too. It's, kind of like a halloween situation yeah it's, it's like oh just skip the sequel the true sequel and go straight to the yeah you know danny mcbride produced halloween yep. it's yeah <laughs> by the way man I, I i posted something it was cracking me up i was uh you know how like amc does the whole like nights of terror and yeah oh my gosh i just love it and I look forward to it so much and i just never know what i'm gonna get though it's part of the fun it's like it's like uh, uh uh it's like your Spotify playlist on shuffle, you know. I'm just gonna turn it on and something inner like a good horror movie, lighter lighter horror movies during the day, scarier stuff at night. And uh, I was just putting the kids to bed, and I pop up on the uh, like the direct TV menu, and I see coming up Halloween, and I go oh, and I'm thinking oh is it well is it the original, or is it the 2018 version? And I like click on it and I realized it was the Rob Zombie version. <laughs> oh. oh, and I was like, I forgot about that one. Yeah. No. Yep. The first, it felt really gruel. Like first... I had a really, I envisioned a whole night. Yeah. I was going to be like, Oh, this is going to be my whole night. And, like, and then oh. suddenly I'm like, nah, I got to find other plans. Like, no, this is, 
the the first Rob Zombie one is not bad. The second one is really. Oh, I'm not trying to say it's a terrible movie. Like it's not, I, and I haven't seen the sequel. But I remember don't. thinking, don't. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I remember thinking back in like 2007 or whenever, 12. I forget when that that one came out. Um, thinking it was fine. You know, it was. I was happy to just have another Michael Myers movie. You know, I was just happy. And you got a little Brad Dourif in there, as the sheriff. Always nice. Always so, nice. But yeah, that just that that uh, subversion of your expectations. Like, ooh, is it Jamie Lee Curtis young or Jamie Lee Curtis old? It's like neither. <laughs> ah, like, <laughs> no. So I guess, I guess before we go, uh, I teased about my yes, you know, first reaction. <clears throat> So I was late to the ring game. I kind of resisted it, as I kind of alluded to before. It just didn't really interest me. I didn't, I just, once I saw it, I was like, oh, I get it. But I just, did, it didn't appeal to me at first. Because um, I'd seen, like, the Juno and, like, box cover. And I was like, ah, oh, they don't like, that's just, I don't know if it was just because it was foreign and I just didn't feel like opening up to it or what it was. And I was just like, oh, it was just a remake of that. So I didn't watch it, <clears throat> and I was um, I was doing a late night movie watch, and it was on like HBO or whatever, Showtime. I didn't I don't know, and I was watching a movie, fell asleep to it, and that movie finished, and then the, I guess the ring must have come on right after it. The whole movie played while I was asleep, and then I guess in my REM cycle, like I was kind of in a kind of in a you know like I could be awakened easy now and the end where it's like, psh, yeah. like there's like this loud this you know the static noise yes. kind of thing that you would used to get when you know tv used to go off <laughs> when there was an end uh, to tv yeah and it woke me up <laughs> loudly and but then you get the real creepy credits playing so it's like <clears throat> it's not like i woke up to this horrific scene i was startled awake and, and then i was i was not brought down easily because there's this eerie, creepy ass music yes. playing. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I was like looking for the remote, and I'm like, I'm falling out of the. Like, I'm like, where is it? This fucking shit. I can't take. It's like you don't want to be what jarred awake that way. It reminds me of the time that uh, 4KJ. We were hanging out, same same room actually. It was like our like my little man room, and uh, he had fallen asleep. We'd been doing a little drinking, fallen asleep. Uh, and I put a mask on, and uh, so it, the room was dark, but there was still the glow of the TV, and I get over top of him, and I wake him up, and he wakes up with, like, the glow coming, I guess. I can only imagine what it must have looked like, <laughs> but here's me, but my face is slightly disfigured, and there's a glow behind me. He uppercuts me under the chair. Nice. <laughs> nice. He fucking, like, gives me a half uppercut. Boom. And I was, it didn't, I'm just not to, you know, I'm not saying anything about his punching power, but it was shocked me so much. Like I wasn't even injured by it. I was just like, did you just punch me in the jaw? Did you just assault <laughs> he me? Was, he was, he was so frightened by the imagery of just being woken up that way. And I didn't go like, Bleh! I just kind of nudged him, you know? Yeah. And then he opened his eyes just enough to see this fucking dude over him. Oh man the way he just like instinctively uppercutted me under the chin just to this day cracks me up. <laughs> it's a very realistic response to, you know, like, Whoa! Uh, 
<laughs> so let's let's just put a let's just close the chapter on the rings. That is the ring right now. That is the ring. When you die, and, you see uh, the I, ring. <laughs> I think what we'll do now is we'll just kind of go out, but we'll first tease what the next movie and our spooktacular is going to be. Now, this is the fourth movie. This is four weeks, uh, but we we talked about it early on. We're going to go a little bit further. Yes, we're going to keep having a little bit of fun. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, at least a couple more movies. At least we got to get at least one more pick each yes. in. <clears throat> and I, I, we may just do it a little bit more. You know, maybe not make it so Halloween specific, but eerie. Because I just I'm energized by these movies. Oh, absolutely. I love, <clears throat> so, I love the spooktacular. Our first spectacular. Oh, it's fun. It's good times. So when we first came up with the idea to do the first spectacular, you know, you come up with that list of movies right away. And you're like, ooh, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. And I want to find a movie that's, you know, maybe not everybody talks about. You just keep coming up with these lists. And I, I had a couple of movies that immediately made my list, but just keep getting knocked down by other things that I think of. And it just kept getting left behind. And I'm like, all right, no, I'm going to go ahead and commit to uh, a little movie, a movie that you've seen finally. And I can't wait to, to like hear you wiggling around uncomfortably in your seat as we talk about as above down below. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. It's a real, real creepy ass yes. uh, movie. And uh, it's playing right now. You can watch it on Peacock. You can stream it right now, actually. Uh, it's important for me to let you guys know. It's from 2014. <clears throat> And it's it's a really good movie. It still holds up really well. I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. I went back and watched it. I I have the ad, added benefit of it having uh, Ben Feldman in it, who's kind of been a he's you've seen him in things since this movie, so it's nice to have him in it. Yes. Uh, but we're we're gonna we're gonna do that. And uh, what I'd like to really my voice might not work for it, but uh, this movie uh, came along during a time when I was. Um, working at a, in a call center and I worked the, uh, late shift, meaning I would come in, it's already dark and you wouldn't get as many calls and you just would surf the internet and stuff a lot of times. And during the Halloween season, you would come across these websites, uh, dedicated to, uh, like short stories. There was this real phenomenon on the internet where people would kind of do their spaghetti pasta type thing. And you would get some really good uh, fiction, but told uh, in a more of a realistic kind of journal way. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So uh, the inspiration for me being into this movie and enjoying it more, uh, maybe if I hadn't read it, but there's this blog post on angelfire.com. Angelfire. It's called Angelfire, just to give you an idea of around the period of time I'm talking about. Um, and it's, it's from, or it's from 2001. Uh, so <clears throat> the seed, the seed of this had already been planted for me. When I see the movie now, I still think of this story and, uh, it's called, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, like Ted's caving page. It's like a blog and he's, this guy's telling this story about, um, uh, you know, the hobby of splunking and uh, exploring caves. And he he comes across, he and his buddy, who he caves with, uh, this hole. It's a very narrow hole, mysterious. 
in this pretty new cave that was maybe discovered 10 years prior to that pretty new cave not it's not super explored and in fact most of the cave that people see is graffitied and stuff people have been in there and it doesn't have that natural beauty of an undiscovered cave and you know when you see that shit you're more afraid of hobos than anything else like squatters um, but they find this part of the cave deep in the cave uh, where this small hole and they they're so curious on what to what's on the other end of the hole they go on uh, they spend about three weeks trying to chisel and open and widen that hole as best they can because they're just so excited to find undiscovered cave uh, territory and in the middle of this process which is sounds claustrophobic and scary anyway um, things start turning a little more supernatural and it's it's told really well and the kicker is uh, it kind of ends unresolved uh, the journals it doesn't conclude and that's just really really as an added bonus like uh, it's like they, the writer had enough confidence to end it there. Oof. And we're weird to believe that it's real and something happened to this guy. One more trip back to the cave. So if you look for it, it's called T- uh, Ted's caving page, the story of his discovery in a local cave. Uh, you'll see it and immediately be like, Oh God, if I go here, I'm going to get like some fucking malware, some shit in <laughs> That, I don't think that's the case. It looks like it's just an old Angel Fire page. And it's it's in blog style, and it looks ugly. It's got, like, all black background, you know. So it, it's a fun it's a fun read. Uh, it'll only take you, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to do it. And uh, it'll really set the tone for watching As Above, So Below, which is a real, real solid movie that I can't wait to talk about more next week. And with that, we're going to go out uh, with a little bit of fun. Uh, This is called, let's see, hang on. Where is that? Hold on. Well, the the name of the song is called Samara's Song, and I found it online. It's a YouTube video uh, song but i i really enjoyed it similar to the whole chucky outro that we did yes last week so we'll we'll just go ahead and play a little bit of that and we'll uh you have your homework as above so below and we'll see you next week everybody <laughs>